This podcast is brought to you by Aetna. Learn how Aetna is working to build a healthier world by visiting aetnastory.com. People are yearning for information, having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. On today's podcast, we have Zanka joining us. Doro and I have been working with Zanka for now well over a decade. And really, she has been probably one of our greatest teachers and actually the best marketer that we've ever known. Zanka is also a futurist. She's a thought leader in the future of extended reality, virtual, augmented, and mixed reality, big picture thinking, and exponential change. Her focus is creating meaningful conversations around what is possible in the near future using emerging technology and crowd creation platforms. Zanka has lots of experience running companies, managing teams, consulting businesses on exponential change and frontier technology. She is currently focused on social and metaverse architecture. She works as an advocate for tools and models which can allow humanity to flourish. We are so thrilled to have Zenka on our podcast. And again, Zenka was one of our inspirations for Health Gigs. So it's an honor for Dora and I to have Zenka with us today. So Zenka, welcome. Welcome, Zenka. <laughs> We're so happy you're here. The honor is equal. It's wonderful to be with you guys here today. You both have also been an inspiration to me in my life, Trisha, with your boundless energy and enthusiasm and (laughs) can-do attitude. Enduro with your kindness and calm. It's always an inspiration. Oh, well, thanks. So what are we talking about today, Zenka? What do you think? We're talking we about think? the future, of course. Yes, <laughs> you're our, our favorite futurist. So Zenka always tells Doro and I that the future is going to be amazing. And she talks to us about exponential changes and exponential growth. And we thought that would be a great place to start today. Okay, Zenka? That sounds great. Yeah, when you think about the future, it's hard not to clam up and have a lot of fear. And that's one thing that I noticed. Sometimes studying the anomalies that you find in life are where you can really dig in and find the gold of where to flip things. I don't know if it's physiologically in our bodies that we're kind of hardwired to fear things for survival purposes, but if you kind of take a moment right now, close your eyes and maybe count on your fingers all the things you're scared about in terms of the future. Let's just do that. So let's count on our fingers the things that we fear in the future, things that might happen in the world. You want us to say what we're fearful of? <laughs> well, <laughs> or is this yeah, a silent I, moment? <laughs> well, well, yeah, I think everybody's minds are going to fill up, you know, whether it's Big Brother or World War Three or climate change or AI, you know, there's all these scary things, right? And it's kind of a fear of the unknown. But then if we close our eyes right now and try to count on our fingers of all the good things that we want to happen in the future, let's just do that real quick. The things don't come as fast in your mind. And that's an important thing to recognize. One of our greatest jobs right now in the world is to really look around at all the capabilities that we now have that we've never, ever had before, and then apply that toward a visualization that we want in the future. Because if we can't imagine what we might want, then nobody can organize to make those solutions happen. I think that the everyday person feels 
outstripped by all this new technology coming through. We don't know what gene splicing is. We don't know what, you know, deep learning is. And so your brain kind of turns that off and you say, well, I can't understand that. I don't know it, you know. And that's one of the things that is important to change at this time. So we're not going to know everything about the future. There are scientists that are studying these different little brackets of pockets. But we need to realize as everyday people that all this technology is going to be in our hands. And we don't have to know all the details to really leverage it to create the world we want. One of the things that happens with people when they start to brainstorm about ideas in the future is that one little idea can be like a popcorn and other people can come in and start bringing another idea that builds on another idea that builds on another idea. So in other words, if Hollywood is just showing us this black mirror world, it's our responsibility to create the white mirror and to actually live into that. One of the reasons why I think that the world is getting better is my study of the past. We don't often step out of our generation or the generations of our grandparents. And you know, we've studied history, but we really haven't stepped back to look at what are the major trends in the world. If we step back, we realize that if women, for example, are changing the world and that alone, that balance that's coming in right now is making the world better. I wouldn't have been able to go to college, you know, a couple of generations ago. I wouldn't have been able to study things that fascinate me. You know, there's a masculine and feminine energy in all of us. And until the world comes into a better balance with those ideas, we're not going to be able to create a regenerative, cooperative world that we know is going to sustain us. And we can see now that women are starting to take their seat at the table. And that is a huge, huge force that's going to change the way that we do things in the world. Just a couple hundred years ago, we were living half as long. There's so many things about the world that are getting better when we step back. There's a huge democratization that's happening. I mean, 200 years ago, there were no democracies. Now there's over 55% of the world is able to share in those decisions. And you look at technology, like the human genome, we spent $3 billion in 2003 mapping the human genome. In 2001, it was $100 million to map one genome of a person. And today it's $1,000. Yeah. You know? In little over like 10 years, we've gone from something costing $3 billion to it costing $1,000. And that's across the board. Technology can be a very democratizing force in our healthcare and in our lives. You can sit down and take a class at MIT from the greatest minds in the world, and it can be free because they've offered it. So in other words, we've got this cognitive surplus in the world of all these incredible people that are starting to contribute to the solutions. We know the problems of the world now. It's becoming very clear of where we need to become better. And now we're going to start putting the solutions in place. When you were talking about that, like how things are just $1,000 now for mapping the genome, or I was thinking about Uber. When did Uber start? Do you know? <laughs> I don't know exactly when it started, but it's a beautiful example of how you can have this win-win situation. You have 
people able to have more flexibility in their lives so they can go drop off their kid or take a day off if they need to. And you're also, you know, with the Uber sharing and stuff like that, you're actually decentralizing and then you're making everything more efficient. And why can that work? Because there's an incredible mapping system on their networks that is easy to replicate in any city. So the closest car is going to pick you up and then that car is going to pick someone else up. So these are the kinds of things that computers are stepping in to help us self-organize into things that can make the world better. Now, Uber has a lot of problems in terms of how they're paying people. And that's also our job right now is to really create systems that benefit all the people partaking in the system. And again, I think that that's happening. You're seeing across the board companies looking to the end user to ask them, what can we do to make your life better? What can we do to improve? Instead of having everything be designed by a CEO that might not even be using the product and hoping that it works down at the bottom, now we're designing things with the end user in mind. The fact that it's easier to create companies and to spin up these new technologies means that in the end, we're going to be able to create companies that thrive and that also support everybody within that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And that's a new concept. It's a new concept of cooperation, which we haven't seen before. I heard Paul Diamandis speak, and he was talking about how we're linear thinkers, but that we need to be exponential thinkers. How do we become exponential thinkers? That's really important to understand. Peter has spent his life trying to explain this to the world. There's a great quote that says, the greatest shortcoming of the human race is our inability to understand the exponential function. In other words, you can have many, many generations. Things are about the same. It's a line. It's a line. It's a line. But with the technologies that we have right now combining, you have no longer a line. You have a curve that goes almost straight up. So it's a curve that goes up, 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 up. So in other words, if you base your idea of the future on what happened in the last 10 years, you're going to be so far off because change is happening in a scale that we could have never imagined before. Peter and Singularity University and XPRIZE and all of his projects, they don't develop businesses based on what's possible today. Mm -hmm. They build businesses based on what's possible when the business is going to be ready to rock and roll in three years. So they look at, okay, well, drones are going to be happening in three years. So then I could deliver my product through that and et cetera. Because I've heard that companies, big companies today, they're even saying that a five-year planning horizon is unmanageable. They're having to move down to three-year and one-year planning cycles because of the technology is disrupting things at such a fast pace. Wow. So in 20 years from now, you're going to be able to print at a molecular level. We're talking food. We're talking clothes. Wow. We're talking molecules that you can put into your red blood cells that let you sit under the pool for four hours without taking a breath, right? Wow. So this is why I've dedicated my life to this because we're not ready. We're not ready for all these changes. We're not ready for how they're going to impact our jobs and our health and everything. So this is why it's important right now for us to really stay flexible and to really look at how we want to drive our lives and then design the technology to help us do that. 
someone is going to be driving here, either the technology or us, you know, and that's why it's important for us to really design our lives on an everyday basis of how we want to live it and also how we're best going to thrive. And I guess you're going to go into like, how can I as a regular person or Dora as a regular person prepare for this? There's a lot to be said right now. I think a lot of people are moving into the things that you guys have been supporting so strongly, which is, you know, mindfulness and meditation and things like that. So if there's no precedent to follow, we have to kind of look into our own lives and our own self and figure out what we want and what's going to make us satisfied and fulfilled. I'm a really busy person and I'm always running around. So something like meditation to me seemed really foreign and seemed, I don't know, I just didn't really understand it. I got a Muse headset for Mother's Day and a Muse's <laughs> headset is a brain wearable. It goes on your forehead. It measures everything from your breathing to your heart rate to your brain waves and it will give you feedback. So it will actually teach you how to breathe. It will actually give a drum beat when your heart is beating. And it will tell you when your brain is in a relaxed state. In other words, that simple tool can take the practice of meditation, not only make it really fun, but it can hone your skills in a much more streamlined way. And once you have that, then you can look at yourself. And it's the same thing we talked about the future of the world. Sometimes it's hard to think about what you want for your future. All of us are different and we're almost ruled by our subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind is 300,000 times more powerful than our conscious mind. And as you know, your subconscious mind is fed in your first six years of life. It's how you see the world. It's how you think about that world. And since our world is changing, that also needs to slowly change. So meditation is a good way to start to reset some of that subconscious programming that we come, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm all those things limit what you can do in your life. We pick up on those patterns between ourselves. That's a very interesting process that's happening right now. We're starting to come into our own passions and starting to not just go with the flow, but really say, hey, wait a minute. I need this in my life or I want this in my life and this is what I want to create. I think that's really important and it really flips everything on its end because it's more comfortable to be a sheep I've discovered in my life. I'd rather have someone tell me what to do in a way because it's so much easier. You so know? Much easier. <laughs> but that's not going to work. And that's the same thing. When you go to a doctor, your doctor can only help you so much. They can tell you, okay, you've got prediabetes. You've got to make these changes. But it's very hard to do that unless you step into the quote unquote doctor role for yourself. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the teacher student is also that role is kind of flipping. So then we look at, well, how do we change our habits? And habits are hard to change, right? Because you're getting this constant stream of subconscious that's pulling you toward certain choices that you make. I think that we're starting to look at the world more holistically. And when we think about health, that's one of the things that we're going to have to participate in our own education. We're going to have to participate in our own health. It's not going to be as easy as letting someone take care of it for you. 
It's so interesting that you talk about health because when I was listening to Peter speak, Peter Diamondis, he said that the medical practice will be the one that will see the most change exponentially. Is that what you see as well? I do. I do. Healthcare is now a sixth of our economy in the United States, and we're starting to realize that there's new ways of treating people. So in other words, you guys have been some of the pioneers and in the forefront of this integrative medicine, this holistic approach, because if you just take a pill and don't make any underlying changes in your life, then the problems can kind of continue to some extent the placebo effect is causing us to really scratch our heads. So we're starting to realize there is a connection between our minds and our body. Unraveling that within this Western medical world, trying to bring in some of these Eastern principles is a big shift for us. We don't have alternative or complementary medicine systems within our insurance reimbursement. So there's all these different things that need to change. I just think we're starting to realize that some of our physical ailments have to do with these emotional things that we carry with us. And that's not always true with all diseases, but it can be true with with so many of them. So I think we're starting to shift that understanding. And it's not always easy to deal with a whole problem. Your primary care physician doesn't have time to sit and really delve with you into the underlying issues that might be causing you to have a certain inability to change your behavior and things like that. So I think there needs to be a lot of change in the medical profession. The other thing is, is that smartphone peripherals are starting to diagnose us. There's a program that was developed where just listening to your voice, they can tell if you have PTSD within an 89% accuracy. So, That's amazing. Wow, what, what is that one? I think it was NYU developed a algorithm. So when you start bringing in AI to all this, right, yeah. and you start bringing your cell phone into health, everything changes because AIs can understand patterns that we're falling into. So I might be similar to another woman living in California my age, and those solutions might be more clear when we look at the patternicities that are involved in becoming more healthy. When we can provide systems, whether it's through a cell phone that's helping you change your habits or helping you calm down and meditate, those things are going to fundamentally change. And as you know, those things can be extremely inexpensive. So an app that's going to help you bring about a new habit in your life is going to be important. And apps are going to tell you everything. I mean, you can now wear wearables that are going to already count your calories and things like that. Now, it's not always about measuring. That's a very masculine kind of a way of looking at it. It's also about your happiness, right? Right. And that comes back to coming back into line of not doing what you think you're supposed to do or what you're expected to do or what you think someone else wants you to do, but really tapping into what makes you beautiful, what makes you different, what makes you smart. We all have kind of a piece of the puzzle. We all have this important piece to bring. And when people can tap into that, you can feel that. And that helps you stay healthy in your life. That helps you stay balanced. That helps you deal with problems when they come out. Zinka, everything is going to end up on our phone. Is that right? Right. I did the Spire Health Tracker, for example, and it gave me a buzz on my phone 
whenever I was uncomfortable about something. So it could tell me when I was stressed out. And as you guys know, I also an accident with my teeth and I could feel the nerves. Also, when someone walked in and said something that stressed me out, I could feel the pulsing, you know, of my nerves. But I would have never told you that those things stress me out when people were talking about those things. So All this new technology gives you a window into what's happening in the inside of your body, Mm -hmm. right? How your emotions affect the way that you make decisions and go through life. I think that the apps that are being created right now were just at the very beginning of that. Apple, for example, has come out with the Apple Research Kit. So they're able to allow researchers to research people with Parkinson's or other diseases where they're having thousands and thousands of people saying, oh, I swam in the morning and that changed the way my day went. And so that's another solution path that we can offer to people. I mean, a lot of patients know more about their condition than their doctor. How can a doctor be expected to remember all the nuances of every single different disease and condition out there? We're taking a front seat to our own health. Apps are going to be letting us work together as big groups, you know, this sort of crowd solutions, and also going to help us move from point A to point B of where we want to go, whether it's getting more rest. I mean, Apple just released a feature that allows you to see how much screen time you've had and on what apps. So that's really amazing that a company is saying, all right, we don't just want to sell more computers. We want people to be healthy. And it starts with knowing how much time you're spending on your phone, mm-hmm. for example. And that's where we come in as everyday people. We need to step up and ask the companies for what we're going to be needing to be happy and healthy parents and contributors to the world. And I think you can already see that that is happening. There's this idea that you can have and in both, you know, you can still make a profit and do good in the world. The millennials are starting to push that idea that we can have a win-win. And I think that that's one of the major things that's changing in the world. We used to think of everything as a zero-sum game, you know, it's either Western medicine or Eastern medicine. It's either, you know, this way or that way. But we're starting to realize that there's an and and a both. Instead of saying either or, we can say and and both. People are starting to speak up about what we need and what we want. And the privacy of your cell phone and all your health data is one thing that we need to be asking for right now. If an advertiser knows that your heart races every time you see XYZ, in the near future, they're going to be able to produce XYZ for you and LMN for another person and ABC for another person. So everything's going to be customized to have you react in whatever way that they're interested in. So everything's going to get extremely personalized. And it's our chance to really step in the driver's seat and say, what's the big picture of what we're doing? And how do we want the world to be? And I guess what you are saying is, as you just said, it's time to just step up and to own your health and to own your life and your future life. We've talked about this before. You know, often people don't care about their health until they're older and it starts failing. If you're not happy in your life, why would you care about your body? This is actually important to really think about where you are in your life and what is the world that you're creating around you and where your thoughts going. They say that aging, now we've thought of a lot of different solutions to aging with medicines and things like that, but they say that the best way to fight aging is to stop your telomeres, which get frayed and cause you to age, 
That happens when you're pessimistic, Hmm. when you're hostile, when you hold grudges, and when your mind is wandering and you're thinking about other things. Those simple things of really saying, no, I'm like that too. I spend all day worrying, you know, it's natural to do that. But if we can get out from under it and start reprogramming our subconscious, we're going to see those results in our lives. So how do we pull things back into a positive light? We have like the Me Too movement, but I often think we should have a You Too movement because when you interact with people on the streets, you don't know what their life is like. You don't know what Mm. their childhood is like. You don't know what they went through. And so you really can just be responsible for the way that you come to the world. I've been so impressed with you, Doro, in that sense. You've always shown kindness and love to everybody that we've ever worked with and I've ever saw you interact with. And that's such an inspiration. If people can't experience unconditional love, they can't bring it back into the world. And I think that that's important. So self-love is a big thing that we need to work on, too, in the health field. It's hard for us to love and forgive ourselves. But that's what you bring to the world. That's what you share. We're starting to understand that we create electromagnetic forces in our heart that can move out into the world. So we talk about like, oh, that was a really good vibe there. Well, that's a real thing. And now we're understanding it scientifically. Your heart is pumping out those things. And if you're in a bad mood, it can do the opposite. So again, if you're completely pessimistic and letting that side of yourself really come into an unbalance, then that's actually what's going to happen. You're going to affect the people around you and they're going to affect you in that way. They say it's important the energy that you feed the field. In other words, like how are you showing up in the Mm. world for yourself and for the people around you. And so what you're saying is almost you're moving from your head to your heart. Is that what you're talking about right now? Yeah, you know, I think we're used to thinking that our head is the center of our body. It's the Mm. the most important thing. You know, I think we're starting to realize that our heart sends more signals to our brain than the reverse, right? So when we can drop into our heart, we have access to something different. It's almost like our Well, our intuition, I guess you could say. Now, HeartMath is a company that's been researching this for so long, and they Mm -hmm. realize this really strange idea that, you know, you think of your heart as being this thing that beats regularly, you know, it's, it's the metronome of your body. Well, that's not true. It beats quickly. It beats slowly. It does all these different things. And we're starting to realize that your heart rate variability can determine your life force or how long you're going to live, right? It's how healthy or how flexible your heart is to move at different rates throughout the day. Think of your heart as like a jaggedy peaks, right? When you can get it to move in a smooth curve and a smooth wave and sync that up with your brain, it's called coherence, heart and brain coherence. A magical thing happens in your body. Your body starts to heal itself. Your body starts to optimize itself. You know, all these chemicals are released in your brain. When they teach you to do it, they say, breathe more slowly and then feel gratitude. When you can drop in and give yourself that moment of relaxation and love, you're actually creating a physiological, physical, chemical state in your body that improves everything. The heart is something that we're starting to tap into and understand that it is directing a lot of the decisions and the flow and the chemicals in our body in a way that we never even knew. 
It is fascinating. And the work that HeartMath does is really cutting edge, but they've been around for a while. So their science is pretty solid. It's really solid. And now we go back to this genome going from 3 billion to 1,000. They're selling these heart coherence trainers for $125. It goes with a software in your phone and you can just gradually train yourself. So when you feel super stressed out and out of control, you can pull yourself back into that coherent state. And you're actually helping not only yourself, you're helping the people around you because you're calming and bringing that into focus. You got to remember that as change increases in the world, our stress levels and our inability, you know, our fear of change is going to be turned up. So now we have to do the opposite. We have to ground ourselves, calm ourselves and be solid in the knowledge that we can do this. I know that all the things that we need to solve in this world for the climate and for AI, we have all the resources we need. There's Mm -hmm. not a lack of resources. It's a lack of coming together to believing in those solutions, to putting our money into those ideas and kind of birthing those things into this world. We have everything we need to really thrive. There's a lot of talk about systems that can use resources, but then they can recreate those resources, right? So those are the kinds of systems that we want to look at, not sort of deficit systems where you're needing to take more than you can create. Across the line, we're starting to see that there's ways that we can move into those systems and organize ourselves into the system. It's not easy to change, but it's very possible and computers are going to help us do that. And so are all the amazing people that have been able to be educated that weren't before, women that are able to contribute in a way that they weren't before. It's going to be beautiful because I think we're living in a time where we're really going to get a sense of the perspective and a sense that we have the tools that we need to make the world a really amazing place. After talking to you, I'm actually really excited about the future. Me too. I'm so encouraged. And And this idea of like, yeah, I can create it really resonates as you're talking that it's something we can create. It's actually in our power. Because we're able to coordinate with each other in a way that we never have before. Mm -hmm. You know, we are connected. So the little pieces that each of us put in, every podcast you put out, every conference you guys put out, all that is moving us toward this other way of thinking about things. It's ushering in these new possibilities and we're pulling together. I mean, you've got eight-year-olds doing science projects that are changing the plastic in the ocean on a scale of like massively, right? So you've got these new people contributing, using technology that is very democratizing to do things that we've never been able to do before. You can't think just because we haven't been able to solve this before means that we can't. Right. It means that we can. Sanka, as usual, our time with you is so inspirational and so informative. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I know that our listeners are going to want to follow you and see all the exciting things that you're doing. Can you share with us how we can best follow you? You can find me on Instagram at HelloZenka, Z-E-N-K-A, and also at Zenka.org. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? We're living in an extraordinary time right now. And if you can incorporate some of these ideas into your own life in a practical way, day by day, 
that will be our road forward. So we're taking all these new theories about neuroscience and about our heart, and now it's our chance to practice and move into that world. Don't let the tech terms scare you. Don't let them overwhelm you. Even the scientists that work on this stuff don't know all the terms and all the nuances. Just take what you need from it and try to find sort of the light inside you, the passion inside you, and know that things get hard and they get better. And we all have a piece of the puzzle to contribute to the future that we want. Thank you, Zinka. That is a great way to end today's conversation. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. <laughs>